it's time for the North Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Hey, that's right. Welcome in another edition of the North Idaho PrepCast, where we are breaking down districts one and two week in, week out, hitting all the big stories. My name is Brandon Bainey. We are joined by our North Idaho resident and expert, Ryan Skaggs. What's up, Skaggs? How you doing? I'm doing well, man. It's a Wednesday morning, and we're uh, we're ready for you. Got the extra cup of coffee that I had to run upstairs and get, and we're ready to go. A more appropriate mug this time around. Last week you had the uh, IP outside uh, coffee <laughs> mug, and this week you've got a nice. Uh, is that a polar bear against no, the black silhouette? Just a bear. Oh, just a bear. I saw I saw bear. white, so I thought polar bear. But yeah, and I think you can get these mugs at Cabela's if people recognize them. <laughs> ah, okay, Cabela's. Uh, fun fun fact, and then we'll get back on track here. Uh, so, in my sports broadcasting career, I lived in Nebraska for almost two years over in the western side, Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. But there's a there's a little town in Nebraska, uh, in the in the western part, the little Panhandle. It's called Sydney. Nebraska, and that is actually where Cabela's started, hmm. and 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 their corporate—that's where their corporate offices were. I mean, like seventy percent, yeah, seventy percent of the the workforce in the town like works for Cabela's. So it's kind of a cool deal. Yeah, Sydney, That's Nebraska. Awesome. If anybody's ever there, they can uh, check it out. So, anyways, so, and there's that, a Cabela's in Sydney, Nebraska. Is it big like everywhere else? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's like comparable. To the okay. other ones, it's not like oh, this is the Uber special one, um, yeah. but but the the complex is huge because you know that's where their corporate headquarters sure. are and there's yeah. all sorts of stuff. Um, it's so, not yeah. like the Bass Pro in like Tennessee that like used to be the <laughs> basketball arena. <laughs> no, well, and then you know Cabela's was bought out by Bass Pro Shops, yeah. and so that was right around the time I was moving away from Nebraska. Everyone was worried, like oh man, what's going Uh, back to North Idaho. We'll swing all the way around. I'm pretty sure my internet froze again, which is great. I am exploring. <laughs> sure did. I am. Ex- <laughs> I am exploring other options. I've got a list of places. I've got to some suggestions them. for you. So yeah, we can talk off air. <laughs> yes, the one I'm thinking of uh, starts with a letter towards the back end of the alphabet. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a couple of them that could go that direction because you could even use one of the cell phone carriers. Is who I switched to. They've been pretty good. So. Yeah. So yeah. anyways, um, yeah, not happy with my internet, but that's in, anyways, uh, what I am happy with, or I should say the state of Idaho was not happy with the <laughs> IHSAA board lately. This was uh, a big developing story yesterday, Ryan. And so we've got to dive into it. So we're recording this on Wednesday, September 6th. Yeah. Um, but, but, but essentially we we've talked all spring and summer we did an off-season roundtable about this topic of should idaho change its enrollment parameters in terms of classifications and the uh reclassification committee headlined by timberline boise athletic director tall grop you know spent a lot of time on this they came to the board and said hey we do think we should change the parameters uh also go to a 6A to 1A system instead of 5A to 1A D2 seemed pretty well received. Yeah. Yeah. Passed it, it passed the first vote in June seven to six, very tight. Then a couple of board members leave a couple of new board members hop on second reading in August, the proposal fails eight to six. 
and so it's dead in the water, or so we thought. Not there so is... fast, my friend. To quote Lee Corso, yes, yeah, and <laughs> and 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 big shout out to Matt Harris. He's the athletic director at Ryrie High School over in East Idaho, and he used to yeah. be a be a broadcaster for IdahoSports.com before he became an AD, um, and and he was the one that kind of reported on hey, here's this special meeting happening today, and here's this rule. Um, it is in, in the bylaws. Section 5 of the IHSAA bylaws allow for the member schools to bring forth a member initiative, which could override what was voted on. So basically, and this could apply to anything from state tournaments to uh, ticketing to any any thing the board decides if enough yes. of Idaho superintendents get together and say we don't agree with that decision let's cast a statewide vote and if enough members vote yes then they basically overrule the board this is kind of a game changer to me I was like yeah what no, no it's something that we didn't see coming that now I mean if they don't we talk about state tournament allotments and stuff like that and how things are shaped and where they're going to be located geographically and stuff like that and you know, it wasn't looking good for moving state. I mean, in my opinion, I didn't think that that would pass. I don't know if that really will or not, but some people say that like, oh, they, I think the IHSA will explore it. Now that you know that the, the superintendents can step in statewide, we could see some different things change pretty pretty rapidly within the state of Idaho, um, just knowing that this rule exists now. So now, <laughs> it's like, surprise, here's your Tuesday morning nugget coming back the first day of school. <laughs> Guess what? Next year, uh, everything's going to look different. <laughs> yeah. So I, I will say I don't anticipate this uh, initiative being used much because you've got to get so many people oh, sure. on board with it. But this to me was such a no brainer during the second reading. And, and we'll get to the North Idaho part of it. North Idaho pretty unanimously has been against this from the start. And they've been yeah. pretty consistent with that. But unfortunately, they're only one sixth of well, especially at the large school level. Yeah. You froze again. Um, but, but, it, uh, yes. <laughs> oh, God dang. Okay. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> I could carry uh, it, dude. It's all good, man. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. That's, per no, that's perfect. Um, I was, I was saying that, uh, you've got to get so many people on board. And that's, that's what really didn't make sense when it failed the second vote was they kind of did an informal survey and over 70% of the schools polled said, yeah, we're in favor of this. And then the board still denied it. And it's like, yeah. is this how a representative board is supposed to work? A, a, a group of 14 people can unilaterally go against the wishes of the people and the schools they're supposed to be representing. It didn't feel right to me at the time. It didn't feel right to any of us. And I'm glad yeah. that it's been rectified now. The Oh, go yeah, the only thing I could see, like in the board making that decision originally, was looking out for the fringe schools. I mean, like who was going to speak out for the ones that it really would affect, generally fairly significantly, i.e., like what the IEL is going to become up in North Idaho. You know, where you have a three-team conference on both sides, or you know, in a four-team conference now at five A. But it's, um, I, th I think they were trying to protect some of that stuff, but necessarily by and large, like the there was an overwhelming like opinion of the majority wanting to change the classification system and it, it took place. Yep. And so I, I kind of detailed all the, the voting breakdowns. It's right on the, the homepage at idahosports.com. You should definitely go give it a read because it's got all of the changes in the new districts as well. But here's how it broke down at, at the class five, a level 14 of 21 schools said yes. 
4A, 18 of 27 said yes. That's 67% both there. Uh, 2A, 17 of 25. That's 68%. 1A, 41 of 62 said yes. That's 66%. The, the one outlier was class 3A. Only 10 of 17 schools said yes. That's only 59%. So in total, 152 schools, 100 voted yes. That is 66%. That was enough to pass. But when you look at district votes, Ryan, in District 1, only two of 13 schools voted yes. That's 15%. And then in District 2, six of 7, that's 35%. So North Idaho, pretty clear. We don't want these changes. Where did they make up that ground? Ada, District 3, 40 of 49, 82% said yes. Yeah, and that's where, I mean, it made sense to some regard or for the geographical stuff. And I, you know, if you look at district two, I could say that like, you know, where were the big changes that took place in district two? Well, it's going to be Lewiston going down a classification. It's going to be Kendrick coming up, Genesee going down, you know, so like there's, who does it benefit the most, you know, and I could see some of the schools wanting out like Genesee, like realistically, I think they had a pretty good claim to say like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be one AD one anymore. And you know, that with the classification changes and now they're going to be 1A, you know, it it makes it makes a difference in, in if enrollments are down or changing and stuff like that. But the, I think that the numbers are so fluid still on a razor's edge in those lower ends like that, that, you know, Genesee in, in two years could be back up. I mean, that's let's realistically talk about it. That The thing is, though, with the changing the, the parameters like that is that you could end up I don't know long term what it's going to do if the if the numbers didn't change drastically enough one way or the other. You could be one, you know, if Idaho continues to have this growth train that we're seeing, you know, did they vote to keep, you know, fluidity with the with the classification numbers to ensure that we have allotments that make sense? Because the last thing you want to do is like rob a bunch of teams from 181 to 182, you know, kind of in that lower area. And then you end up with only like, 15 schools eventually like that doesn't make any sense to have a classification where the numbers skew things so drastically that you end up with a tiny classification and a small sample size. Um, I know that I'm speaking in hypotheticals, but you know, that, that would affect three. I could see it too. Um, just because that was one of the classifications I proposed getting rid of. Like I was just saying, we don't need six classifications. We need five. Let's widen the gaps a little bit. And you can make things a little bit more fair, but that was, I was in the minority in that one, but <laughs> I'm with you. I, I, I think we could consolidate a little bit. Um, really, you talked about Kendrick moving up to one AD one and Genesee moving down to one AD two. That, that was going to happen regardless. If, yeah. if we kept the old system, went with the new system that was set in stone. What does change uh, is Clark Fork now moves up to 1AD1. I think they still would have snuck in at 1AD2 under the old yep. system. And obviously Lewiston dropping to what is now going to be 5A. There's um, a big difference between Moscow and Lewiston too. I mean, let's, yes. be, let's be real about that. That is a massive difference in two schools. Um, you know, not just geographic, or, you know, population wise, but I mean, you look at the program successes and stuff like that. I mean, are we making... Some teams are we creating a competitive imbalance? I don't know, but yeah. yeah. I mean, and and I, I will say that these changes were mostly done for 
5A and 4A. That's where you're seeing the most change yeah. in terms of enrollment parameters, where before to be in the largest classification, it was 1280 and above. That's your student population. Now it's 1400. So yeah. Lewiston, you're right. They're over 1280, but they're not quite at 1400. They just slide in. So they're, they're the big fish, right? They, they are the big fish in the pond. Yeah. Um, but that, but, but I feel like that happens regardless in every classification. There's always one school that just happens to slide in under the, under the baseline and is just larger than all the others. It's just the way it is. I mean, it's been at- skyline. Let's be real. Skyline's been right there too at 4A historically, but yeah. I mean, yeah, Skyline. I mean, I w- in North Idaho, I would say Kellogg. You know, now that Kellogg's yeah. dropped down to two way, they're kind of a big fish in in the pond compared to some of those, you know, Grangeville and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know. It it it, it stinks for Moscow and Sandpoint and Lakeland, but at the same time, the Sandpoint, especially in soccer and football, and they've had a lot of success against yeah. Lewiston and these other five A schools. So. Yeah, no, that's I, you look at it too, and if if you're gonna pick up a Lewiston and the five, I mean, what it's what is it gonna do statewide? Is it? I mean, you've got a realistic challenger, you know. If the, if Lewiston was down a classification this year, like just take that for example, like real time, they're they're title contender. I mean, realistically, at four A this year, they would be a contender. Um, so I mean. What does it change long term? We don't know because obviously classes change year to year and everything. But Lewiston's going to be back up just based on enrollment and what's coming in the Lewiston School District with the new high school and everything. It's going to go away. They're going to be back up at at 6A in a couple of years, in my opinion. But, um, you know, so I don't think it's going to be long term necessarily. But I, I do see this swing pretty drastic within the schools there in Lewiston. Yeah, I, I think this is only a temporary thing for Lewiston, definitely. And I know you were worried about. 1A robbing from 2A now. That would be the old D2 robbing from D1. They really yeah. only changed that number to be the smallest classification. It used to be 84 and below. It's now 89 and below. So yeah. you're talking five kids, which is, it makes a difference in those small schools. But um, that's where I think we'll see the the least amount of movement um, sure. in terms you know, of these new parameters. What I look at is that on the upper end of now the new 2A going to 3A. Like... You know, realistically, you had some of those teams historically like Lapway was right on the fringe of, you know, from going 1A D1 to maybe 2A, um, you know, and the, the, those numbers, if they continue to trend, or, I mean, you're looking at, eight, you know, playing 11-man football and, you know, like some of the schools, can they support 11-man football with the turnouts that they have? I know that there's a few schools down in East Idaho that have had, you know, historical strong programs of being an eight-man team that could field an 11 man team, but like enrollment wise, it's kind of been a back and forth and they've been right on the edge, but um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, like I said, with enrollment statewide, I mean, generally most districts are seeing, you know, an increase slightly in, in enrollment. I mean, depending on where you're at close to the geographical, you know, population centers around the state. So, you know, I mean, Genesis prep is getting, you know, prepared to build a new school, you know, they're going to have an enrollment boom. Um, just because they're going to be able to have more capacity. There's there's other schools that are out there too. You know, we see more STEM schools. We see more, you know, charter schools popping up too. And then, you know, the homeschool population now with the open enrollment, they can choose wherever they want to go. They're not counted to those schools' enrollments, but they can choose that like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I mean, I, I know I live in Coeur d'Alene and I'm homeschooled, but I'm going to go play football post falls now. Like that's, that's realistically going to take place. And so, you know, that, that stuff is something to keep it. How do you count for that? Like that's something that doesn't get counted in those headcounts. 
yeah, and there, there's never going to be a perfect uh, system. You know, no. like one one coach I talked to up north says it should be based on number of kids that are participating in athletics. He said, because I'm at a huge school that's full of kids. None of them are coming out for sports. And I was like, well, yeah. that's that's tough to quantify. That would be kind of sticky, I think. It, it, I, to me, that's on you as coaches to go, you know. Well, get, I look at it as for the contact sports, we have sports-specific classifications like that's the way it makes sense they do it in wisconsin they do it in a number of other states i know that so i mean that would in my opinion that's the next arena is for football we have football only classifications i think that that right there levels the playing field for everyone because it's almost like the european soccer leagues how they can have like the graduation system of relegation and delegation and stuff like that that makes sense i mean it really it does and and if, if you want to look at competition and making sure that we have like even numbers of, of participants and, and not only participants, but also the quality of product, you know, the, the football only classification system makes a ton of sense just because geographically Idaho is so weirdly shaped. But I mean, that's a whole nother conversation that maybe the superintendents need to vote for that too. I don't know. You have a nice grin, by the way, when you're frozen. Okay, let's let's figure out a foot. Yeah. Did, did you get a black screen with a little buffering circle? No, I got like you just with a nice, it looked like a good headshot that you would have for a profile picture. You had like a nice smile. You're like. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, at least it froze up when I looked uh, flattering. So. Yeah. It wasn't uh, you like wiping your nose and you just like got stuck with your finger in your nose or something. Right. I think that'll be the podcast title frozen, but flattering. <laughs> there we go. Um, so yeah, football only, I think is something that definitely will be explored eventually um, to be sure. So, all right, let's get back to what actually happened on the field. The biggest story I think from last week on the football landscape Skaggs was the battle in Boise down at Albertson Stadium, Boise State University, the Blue Turf, home of the Broncos, home of the Kendrick Tigers. Hey, Ken- Kendrick's 2-0. Boise State's 0-1. Uh, to yeah. me, Kendrick Kendrick owns that field now. <laughs> yeah. They're going to start <laughs> making the We Want Bama chant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, no, uh, Kendrick, I mean, but you talk about a tale of two halves in that game. I mean, they didn't open pretty in that in that ball game, and that's they're playing a, a good good opponent. Uh, but really what happened was like you were able to see them flex their muscle in the second half and the, they showed off the talent that they've got with, you know, Ty Kep's arm talent at a 1AD2 level is just, I mean, I'm telling you right now, he's starting at any school in the state of Idaho short of a couple, like, you know, guys that have already committed to D1 schools, you know, he's their starting quarterback. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I look at Ty and what, what they're able to do and just the defense, they played lights out in the second half. Um, you know, much what we've seen, you know, them go on their streaks where they held the scoreless streaks for like consecutive quarters. I mean, we could see that start to roll again this year, um, just based on what we saw in the second half, because that was a flat, impressive effort after halftime. Coach Hobart and his crew, you know, they made some some great adjustments and, and Kendrick looked looked awesome in the second half of that ballgame. Yes, yeah, so you've got a matchup of Kendrick, two time defending one AD two champion. Uh, Oakley, two-time defending, actually three-time defending, won a D1 champion. Uh, Oakley led after the first half 22-16. Kendrick outscores him 22-0 in the second half. And I think if you look at Oakley's 
you know, what they were able to do. It all came on kind of big busted plays. Yep. I mean, Bryce, Bryce Severe returned the opening kickoff 84 yards for a touchdown. And then they got touchdown passes of 43 and 65 yards. And otherwise, Kendrick had them bottled up pretty well. Yeah. I mean, he had kids, a couple of kids slip on the turf. I mean, in coverage, you know, busted for a big play. Um, so, I mean, realistically, they did a decent job. I mean, that Oakley team is explosive. We're going to see them put up some video game numbers later in the season. I really believe that at the 1AD1 level. Um, they're, you know, I'd look at that, and those are two teams I would love to see, you know, a small school state championship game where you combine the two champs there. But um, that's just, you know, my opinion is my opinion. Um, but I think a lot of people want to see it too. Like that, that could be, you know, with what what's at 1AD2 this year, that could be Kendrick's biggest opponent of the season. I mean, most competitive game. And I mean, and we're talking through the playoffs and everything too. So, I mean, you know what they showed in their in their opening, you know, game where they get a chance to really showcase their talent. They showed up and they showed up big, and that especially in that second half, and they played lights out. So, I mean, I like the Tigers favorite again this year. I like them favorite again next year, even though Ty kept's graduating. But we'll talk about that this summer. Uh, I just look at them like what they're returning, man. That that team is so freaking loaded; it's crazy. So. Yeah. You may you may get your wish next year as Kendrick does move up a level. It could mm-hmm. be Kendrick and Oakley for the championship next year. Very well could be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Be, yeah. Uh, so Ty Kep was the IdahoSports.com player of the game. 188 yards. 110 yards and two scores rushing. Hunter Taylor also had a 36-yard pick. Yeah. And I wanted to, to highlight one D one edition where you had Kamii open up their season against Lapway season opener for Kamii. No problems. 52 to eight Cubs win. Uh, David Clute, 155 yards on the ground, a pair of touchdowns. He also threw touchdown passes to Colton O'Kane and Everett Oatman. Oatman found the end zone twice on the ground. O'Kane scored a rushing TD. Kamii is back to defend it. How much? How much of that did you catch? All of that cameo stuff. I, I got like two clips of Clute stats, and then you said cameo, and then you froze for like a good solid fifteen seconds. <laughs> oh, I hate this internet. Okay, I, I gotta get this fixed. This is a- affecting my professional life. Um, <laughs> all right. Next so Clute- episode, we're just doing it from my basement. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> He just froze up again. <laughs> Dude. You're going to have to host this thing. The struggle is real, man. I mean, uh, we, we can, we'll make it do. We'll make it work. But I think, you know, the next – we talked about Kamii. You know, if you want to prep for the game coming up, it's going to be Logos, you know, taking on Kamii and what could be the de facto championship game for the White Pine League. Um, I know that you had Logos playing last week. And just what that team offensively is able to that that I mean I said don't don't sleep on on Logos this year that team has got offense a plenty and some firepower there and that you know what they're able to do you get them late in the year especially if they're playing in the dome in the playoffs if they make a playoff berth that is a dangerous team in good conditions and uh, you know I like I like the Knights a lot I think that you know what Driscoll's able to do a quarterback is he's 
he's a stud. I mean, he's an unsung kind of like one of those under the radar type players that not a lot of people know about statewide. The kid can light it up. He slings the ball all over the field, especially in an eight man game, which usually is fairly run heavy. He don't care. I mean, he'll put up he'll put up video game numbers throwing the ball. So, I mean, you look at what you know. It's going to be a test of Kamiya's defense against that Logos offense. That's going to be a great game. I think that that one is going to be a dandy of a ball game. Yeah, Logos beat Clearwater Valley thirty four to twenty last week. Kamiya beat Lapway fifty two to eight. <clears throat> that Logos offense is tough to defend because. Uh, did you do any Logos games last year? I did not. Skags? No. Okay. So, so it's a unique offense where they don't have any running backs. They have four wide receivers, mm-hmm. three linemen and, and the quarterback Driscoll. And then they bring a guy in motion and it's, it's an option offense. He can hand off yep. on the sweep. He can play action and throw a pass. Um, Driscoll sometimes will just take the snap and run himself, but because they're so spread out, you can't keep defenders in the box. It's, it, I really like the offense. It was my first time seeing it in person from coach Nick Holloway. And it's, it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, and, and their defense is good too. Yeah. And from what I've watched of them too, like it's a similar offense than what I ran, you know, where we ran when I was at Pullman, um, just kind of a no huddle, like we'll get going 90 miles an hour, try to run as many plays as you can in a ball game, get your athletes in space, let your quarterback make decisions. And he's, you got probably one of the better athletes on the field and at, at quarterback as well. Um, yeah, no, I like, I like the way they, they play. And that's just a, it's a, it's a really tough team to, to prepare for because they have so many multiple looks just out of a base set. So you know, you have to prepare for the jet sweep. You've got to prepare for the backside counter with the quarterback. You've got to be prepared for the RPO off of it. Like there are so many just nuances to that offense. It's a nightmare to prepare for. Um, I like the Knights in the upset this week. If I'm going to go picking, I, I think Logos clips Kamei this week. I think that's a game that, you know, the Knights, I think are they're my, they're my pick for the championship this, this year in the White Pine. I think that they win it. Um, on offense, I think it's, you know, historically we say defense wins championships, but I, what they're able to do with some of the air raid type passing scheme in there too. It's they're they're a deadly team. Okay. I, I'm going to draw the ire of Logos fans. I'm going to still go cami eye here, but I, I would love to, I would love to be wrong. I was just at Logos last week and they're like, we took you in and now you're picking against us. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Garrison. Well, I have to do a game with Garrison, so I can't really like say too much bad stuff because then I have to deal with him for like two and a half hours on Friday night. So, <laughs> yeah. So let's let's talk about that. Our North Idaho game night matchup this week, Ryan. You will be on the call along with Garrison Hardy. It's going to be at the Kivy Dome in Moscow, a non-conference matchup between Lake City and Emmett. Emmett comes in 2-0 from the 4A ranks. They just won a wild game at the battle in Boise where it was tied at 14 with like 30 seconds to go. And then they scored on a one-handed touchdown reception and then a pick six to basically clinch it to win by two scores. Lake City, meanwhile, is 1-1. We talked about last week they were playing Lakeland. They went for two late, didn't get it. They lose by a point. This week they shut out North Central. A good bounce back win for the T-Wolves. You know, so here's what I look at too, because Lakeland got a big win against a really quality opponent last week. And so it was like, what do we what do we know about Lake City? I, they're not as bad as we think they are. I mean, I, if what they're able to do, I mean, that Lakeland team is proving to be fairly legit. And, you know, Lake City losing that game by one late, um, you know, it's I, 
the, the T-Wolves or Coach Houts turning that team around a little bit. They're getting some swagger. They beat up on a team they should have beat up on in North Central from Spokane. Um, you know, but they didn't let off the gas. And that's the thing is like they didn't, you know, in that game, you you hope that your team kind of keeps the momentum moving forward. And um, they didn't have they didn't let Lakeland beat them twice. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, and so they come into this game with a little bit of swagger and some confidence. I, it's going to be a competitive ball game. I think I don't want to take off too many fans because I live like six blocks from Lake City High School. So um, <laughs> including a neighbor that's on the team. But um, I mean, I think Emmett probably gets the win here, but I think it's going to be a competitive ball game. I look at, you know, Lake City. It wouldn't shock me at all if Lake City pulls an upset here and like, you know, starts off this Hout era with a huge marquee early season non-conference win. Um, you know, he's turning things around at that program and really instilling confidence in those kids. And we know that there's athletes walking around in that school. Um, you know, it's can they turn it around as a team effort this year and, and make things competitive? And they showed that they can the last, the, you know, the last two weeks. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun game. Uh, Seven o'clock kickoff from the Kibbe Dome on IdahoSports.com. Shout out to Quarterly High. Isn't it a six o'clock kickoff? Uh, yeah. Let me double check. I don't want to get the time wrong. <laughs> I thought it was a six o'clock kickoff, but uh, yeah. Let's see. <laughs> it's seven Mountain Time, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. That was. Oh man, it's a seven o'clock on our page, local time. Okay. okay, that's fine. If it's a seven, that's great. That's still okay. I thought it was a six. <laughs> I'll just show up early. It's all good. The folks bad info. <laughs> now. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll double check. This this is a this is a podcast for the burn pile. That's for sure. <laughs> Didn't want to have to carry things, but here we are. But yeah, again, yeah. you got me giving you bad information and everything else. All right. Seven o'clock Pacific okay. time. Okay. <laughs> so we can go with go. that. Yeah. Perfect. Um, okay. Before I totally freeze and don't come back. Real quick, I just wanted to highlight a couple of volleyball soccer matchups I'm looking at. Um, volleyball, you've got this week uh, slash weekend uh, some interesting battles in the White Pine League, especially Logos at Kamii. Those are two teams that I think are trying to break into the upper echelon to to challenge what's been a perennially strong Troy program. And then to me, Orofino at St. Mary's, also kind of the two early leaders in the CIL there in volleyball uh for soccer i mean we've had some really impressive performances on the pitch lately um i think in boys soccer lakeland's uh sandpoint is always interesting but to me lake city at sandpoint uh, that's going to happen tomorrow thursday the 7th big non-conference clash yeah, there's and there's going to be matches of plenty in the next couple of weeks too. Within you know, you're going to get some really nice three A matchups coming up too with Coeur d'Alene Charter and Timberlake and and some of those teams playing Bonners Ferry in the mix as well. So um, yeah, soccer is in full swing. Golf we kind of have ignored a little bit. That's quietly been taking place still. We talked about it obviously the first week, but 
you know, we're gonna have to keep an eye on some of those scores going on in that area and swimming as well. Um, like, guess what? Lake City's really dominant at swimming again this year. <laughs> so, I know that came as a shock to many, but yes. <laughs> yeah. In in uh, in girls soccer in particular, I'm keeping an eye on Bonners Ferry. They're off to a two and one start. They are at Timber Lake, at Coeur d'Alene Charter. Uh, back-to-back nights, Friday and Saturday. So we'll find out pretty quick in girls' soccer, you know, is Bonner's Ferry for real? I did notice some athletes that went out for the team that um, haven't played soccer in the past, Asia Abubakari in particular, going out for soccer this year. I love to see it. Just getting athletes on the field. I think that it makes a big difference, especially in small school soccer. Like you're going to be able to, you know, keep some bodies on the field that it can at least defend. I mean, who knows what the, the, kicking ability is like but at least the ability to to move in space i mean it all applies so um you know hats off to coach for getting some of those those athletes in the school that are walking around that are great players in their own right and other sports just to turn out and to to contribute yeah definitely all right well thank you for tuning into the north idaho prep cast everybody hiccups and all i will do better (laughs) next time Hopefully. You made it clean through the clothes without freezing. So <laughs> chalk that up as the victory this week. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to call it a win. Thanks for tuning into the North Idaho PrepCast, everybody. <laughs> for Ryan Skaggs, I'm Brandon Bainey, and we'll see you next time on IdahoSports.com.